morning, church. It is a privilege to be with you here today. Normally I'm over at Palmerton and you're always welcome to stop by over there if you like. Welcome to those of you who are watching online this morning. If you notice that, yes, let's have a round of applause for those tuning in from all around the world. We welcome you and you might notice that my last name is Arrington. That is because Pastor Robert is my husband. Uh, <laughs> so now you know who goes with Pastor Robert. Well, anyway, who do you consider Jesus to be? If you could zoom in on this painting, I have this painting that I bought from my friend's husband. His name is Nate Zarmok. He's a professional painter. And uh, you might be thinking, well, that looks like a kindergartner did it. Um, that's okay, you can think that. Uh, you might be thinking, that looks a little disrespectful. But let's look at it a little more closely. Uh, you'll see that there's a profile of Jesus here that's kind of blurry, it's kind of shadowy and out of focus. And to me, that reminds me that there are times that Jesus can get a little bit out of focus, and we need to remember to keep him clearly in view. And you see this paint that's been splotched on there, different colors, and it makes me think about that there are some times when people try to paint their own version of who they want Jesus to be. They put on certain politics. They put on certain skin colors that aren't historically accurate. They put on you know, a little more grace, a little less uh, truth. They put on a little more truth, a little less grace. They put on, no, he was just a teacher, or he was a prophet. Not Lord. I mean, they were even dealing with this in the New Testament. They, you know, they had that concern. Did Jesus just come as a spirit, as God, and not in the body? No, he came in the body as well. And so throughout our Lenten series, we're going to be examining these misunderstandings that some people had in relation to who they thought Jesus to be. And our prayer is that as we do that, we will come to a more clear understanding of who Jesus is for ourselves as well. Today we're looking at Luke 7 and this act of love that we see from the woman to Jesus. And I wanna take a moment to watch a commercial that was played at the Super Bowl that uh, shows us and depicts this kind of example of love.
touched me. I was so moved by those different juxtapositions of, of people who normally are at odds and are, are in conflict with one another, washing each other's feet. That act of humility and love and neighborliness, woo, that was good. That was some good stuff. Um, now, the picture that we're seeing today of this woman washing Jesus' feet, she wasn't just washing his feet to be neighborly, to be kind. She wasn't a servant at Simon's house. She washed his feet as an act of worship. And so we're gonna examine her act of worship and what that means for us and how we can follow her beautiful example in worship. So let's dive in together. First, we notice that her worship was sincere. Verse 38 says, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Martin Luther called these tears heart water. I really like that. She poured out her heart water to God, to Jesus there in the flesh. Her sincerity of worship was shown through her emotions. She came to Jesus in tears. You know, some of us seem to be under the impression that it's not really okay to cry. It's inappropriate, it's weak, it's, it's not cool. <laughs> but we have permission to come to Jesus with all of our whole range of emotions. You know, we're made in God's image and Jesus himself cried at Lazarus' tomb. We can cry before God. We can cry before our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can be accepted there in honesty. King David uh, said in Psalm 6-6, all night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Not only was he honest about his sorrow, he knew that God cared. In Psalm 56, he wrote, record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not on your record? God keeps track. God is attentive to our pain and our tears, even when we're wringing out our pillow in the middle of the night. We can bring those tears to him. But why was she crying? Well, we don't know exactly why she was crying, but if you would permit me to wonder about this for a moment, could they have been tears of repentance? You know, she came to Jesus with a bad reputation. Some of us have come to Jesus with a bad reputation, and when we get saved and we go out back into our former circles, and they hear that we've been changed, they are shocked. They don't believe it. That person, that person was dealing drugs. That person could cuss like a sailor. That person, X, Y, Z. But we've experienced that transformation that comes through repentance. She was labeled a sinful woman. The men standing before her were clearly aware of her sin. Simon the Pharisee said to himself in verse 39, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. It seemed that she was very aware of her sin. She was weeping. Uh, 
John Bunyan described it in his allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, the pilgrim carrying that backpack, that heavy weight, unable to put it down, struggling day by day to to make it to the cross so that he could finally be unburdened. Have you experienced, have you felt that heavy weight of your sin? When we approach a holy God, we become keenly aware of it. Uh, Why do you think people joke about the roof caving in if they walked into church? They know. They know that they're sinful. They know that they've done things that are not right with God. We need his forgiveness. And we can come to Jesus in our brokenness, just as we are. My friend Erica and I were uh, communicating via video chat and you know you can do those fun filters on there where you could be like a little dog or like whatever. You can have one that puts beautiful makeup on. And I was having a bad day, all right? I did not get my makeup on. I was not looking cute. And so I used one of those little filters and she said, girl, you know you can come to me just as you are. You don't have to be filtered. Our, Our friendship is unfiltered friendship. And I was like, that's Jesus' love. You know, she accepts me just as I am. I don't have to put on a fake uh, self for her. I can be me. And that's the way that we can come to Jesus too. We don't have to pretend to be somebody that we're not. We don't have to pretend to be all put together and perfect and bows. And we can come just as we are, even in our brokenness and in our sin and in our emotions, and he accepts us, and he changes us. He knows that we are dust. Next, I noticed that her worship was grateful. Maybe these were tears of gratitude that were streaming and pouring from her face. The weight of that sin, that heavy burden being lifted off, oh, grateful for his acceptance. I think about um, those of you who have had children, remember going from that moment when you couldn't touch your toes to then having the baby and ah, I can touch my toes again. That feeling of the burden when you're at the gym and you're lifting. Some of you guys are tough and you lift those 200 pound, is that high enough? 250 (laughs) and you finally drop that weight and it clinks down on the ground. Ah, the burden lifted. Free. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Jesus goes on to explain the reason for this display was an expression of her gratitude. He tells the parable of the money lender, one who he lent $500, 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither could pay him back, so he forgave them both. And this woman had a great debt of sin to pay. And you might be thinking, yeah, All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We know. (laughs) We see our thoughts 24-7, 365. We see our actions all the time, and so does God. We all have sinned. But what a burden is relieved when we, or is relieved when we finally come to that point where we say, Jesus, I need you to forgive. Please forgive me. Change me, make me new. Oh, if you haven't had that experience, if you haven't given Jesus your sin and asked him to change you, today is the day, baby. You can be free, you can be changed, you can be 
that burden, that lightness that comes. Oh, the joy. Somebody give me an amen. amen. <laughs> you know that freedom. No wonder she was crying in gratitude before the Lord. You know, there have been times in my life when I heard this passage and I thought, I want to love Jesus more. Maybe I should have been more sinful. <laughs> have you ever thought that? <laughs> you know, I mean, as a kid, like, well, maybe I shouldn't be such a goody two-shoes if I want to love Jesus. Nah. We shouldn't go on sinning that grace should increase. But Jesus was showing that we can experience his love and, and, and have that overflow when we've been forgiven much. Her reputation was sinful woman, but she left from that place forgiven woman. And I love that this woman whose sin had been known publicly was forgiven publicly. Have you ever had a public disgrace? Oh, that moment when everybody knows what you did. Everyone knows that you failed. Everyone knows that you messed up. And it's just humiliating. She brought that to Jesus, and you can bring that to Jesus too. And you can also leave transformed and renewed. Amen? Amen. Next, I noticed that her worship was extravagant. It was costly. This bottle of perfume was a year's wages. I mean, put that in today's terms, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars, right? You know, that he gets us commercial that I played there at the beginning got some heat um, from some people that said, hey, you could have spent that $9 million on feeding poor people instead of putting a commercial on at the Super Bowl. And me, of course, I was preparing for this sermon. I was like, Judas, that's what Judas said. Okay, so if you look over in... <laughs> John 12, that was uh, Judas' response to this beautiful act of worship. That Hey, why are you wasting that perfume? That could have been used to, to feed the poor and serve the poor. Why are you wasting it on Jesus? But Jesus said, nah, the poor you will always have with you. He validated her act of worship. And there's a time to bring costly worship before the Lord. There's a time for those expenditures to just be about worshiping him. I mean, why do, you, why do we build this beautiful facility? We want to worship him and invite as many people as possible to do the same. It's costly. Why would someone go to such extremes to worship in this way? Well, this passage is also found in John 12, as I said. Does anyone know what happened in John 11? That's when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And whose house is he hanging out at? He's hanging out with Lazarus. He's hanging out with Mary. He's hanging out with Martha. What wouldn't you do for the one who raised your brother back from the dead. You buried him. You used that same oil to anoint your brother so that he could be buried. And now he's alive. Think about the only reason that Mary had this oil in the first place was that she was going to use it to anoint her brother. And they kept anointing and anointing until the body would eventually decompose and they could rebury the bones. 
that beautiful perfume, that fragrant smell was only given to her because Jesus gave her a miracle in the first place. And she gave it back to him, lovingly, willingly, gratefully. Can you imagine the tears just pouring out of her face? What an act of love. And not all of us have received that brother back from the grave kind of a miracle, but all of us who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus will experience that resurrection from the dead when Jesus returns, and we will experience that newness of life, and we can go ahead and praise and worship him and give him a costly offering now because we have faith in that and faith in Jesus. What might it cost us to worship him today? Oh, it might cost waking up early on a Sunday. (laughs) I wanted to sleep in. It might cost us gas money. It might cost us fighting with a teenager or a three-nager. Put your shoes on. Come on, let's go. You can't wear shorts to church. Put your pants on. There are little things like that. (laughs) And then there are those big things, that costly worship. I noticed this worship was excessive. Are you an over-the-top kind of person? We know who we are, okay? <laughs> we're loud. We're, people know when we come in the room. You know, um, we 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 do things over the top. Well, I think of the Old Testament story of King David when he's out there dancing in his undies, praising the Lord. I don't recommend that necessarily, but his wife was being all judgy, and you know, David, would you please put some clothes on and stop that? But he said. No, I'm going to become even more undignified than this. I'm going to dance with all my might before the Lord because he's deserving of that. And he couldn't stop that overflow, that expression that just made him move his body in worship to God, that gratitude, that thankfulness. What might you need to do to block out the, the Michaels in your life who are, who are calling you out and say, stop raising your hand. We can worship Jesus freely. You know, Jesus chastised Simon uh, in his thanks to the woman. As a guest of honor in Simon's home, Jesus should have been greeted with a kiss on the cheek. It's still a practice that, that happens in the Middle East today. That kiss on the cheek is a standard greeting for people. We usually shake hands. He, he, he should have washed his feet. He came in with his sandals all dusty. You know when you go to the beach and your foot is just covered with sand when you get back and your whole car is just littered with it by the time you get home and it's Christmas time and there's still sand in there? <laughs> they washed their feet upon entry to the household. Olive oil should have been applied to Jesus. Simon didn't care. And I think that kind of shows us a glimpse of Simon's understanding of who Jesus was. Seems that Simon didn't have quite the high regard for Jesus that this sinful woman did. 
interesting. Simon failed on that, but Mary covered all the bases. Not only did she wash his feet, she washed them with her tears. Not only did she dry his feet, but she let down her hair, which would have been really an awkward scenario because that was inappropriate for that time. She didn't care. She went full King David and just took her hair down and dried his feet with it. She didn't just offer him a kiss of greeting. She didn't stop kissing his feet. Can you picture the awkwardness of that? Jesus allowed her to bring that excessive, extravagant worship. And not only did she anoint him, but she anointed his head with very expensive nard, this perfume that was imported from India, from the Himalayan mountains, that was intended to anoint him for his own burial, he said. She went all out in expressing her love for the Lord. I just want to ask us a question this morning. Would your expression of worship be different if you were unrestricted by what other people think of you? Next I notice her worship was accepted. Her worship was accepted. Her beautiful act of worship, it was misunderstood by others, but it was accepted by the one who mattered and the one to whom she was worshiping. Jesus said in Mark, she has done a beautiful thing to me. A beautiful thing. People might not always understand why you prioritize God in your life. You go to church every Sunday? Every? You give 10% of your income to the Lord? Seriously, 10%? Yeah, and more than that. Seriously? You don't steal, you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't backstab? What? How are you gonna get ahead? People might not understand, and that's okay. We're not living for them. We're living for him. We see that Jesus sends her out in peace. Not only was she forgiven, but she was sent out to live in shalom, wholeness. Her faith had saved her. She could now go in peace. She could now go back into a society from which she had been shunned because of her sins, because of what she had done, now restored to the community. And even today, she is a woman who we are talking about. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this woman will be mentioned. And we're honoring today a woman who was likely a prostitute because Jesus forgave her, changed her, cleansed her, accepted her, and sent her back out there, made new. And he does the same thing for us today. And if you've never accepted that, oh, what are you waiting for? It's available. It's free. It's worth it. Oh, do you remember? Can you think back? Those of you who have experienced it, can you remember that day when you gave your heart over to Jesus and you said, okay, I'm doing it. 
I'm jumping in, and like the pilgrim, you felt that weight, that backpack off of your back, and finally you could run. You could, you could feel joy again. You could feel happiness again. You, could, you felt like your truest self in him. It's available to every one of us. And church, when we come to worship each week, may we bring that joy of our salvation. Lord, renew in us again that joy of our salvation that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was hurting. I once was broken. I once was dead in my sin, but now I'm made alive in Christ. And so when we're worshiping, we're coming with gratitude. We're coming with with excessiveness. Don't worry about what the person next to you is thinking. Don't worry if you don't have the most beautiful voice. Not all of us can be Pam. (laughs) It's pleasing to him. Oh, it's pleasing to him. I think about, I've got some of my music students sitting in here today. When I hear them sing their worship songs at school, and it brings me so much joy, I can't imagine how much more the Father is pleased by the worship that they give him and by the worship that we give him as his children. You can come to Jesus sincerely as your true self, as you are broken, hurting, emotional, You can come to Jesus in gratitude. We can come to Jesus and be accepted. So today we're gonna close out our service by singing the song, Gratitude. And I wanna invite the worship team to come forward. And I just invite you to open it up. Think about when Jesus relieved you of that burden of sin. Thank him again, gratefully, truly, honestly, extravagantly. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, oh Jesus, we just thank you that you have given us freedom, true freedom from sin. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never made that decision to say, okay, I'm gonna just jump in, I pray that today would be the day when they would say, Lord, I admit I've sinned, I've done bad stuff. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me and just like make me new? I believe that you died and, and, and took the penalty for that sin. I believe that you rose again so that I could live eternally with you. And I just pray that you make me new. I want to follow you. And Jesus, for those of us who prayed that prayer, I pray that you would just renew that joy of our salvation that we could come to you every single day in gratitude and, and humility and, and joy and Lord, that we would give back to you that extravagant praise, that we wouldn't hold back from you our worship, 
that we would engage. Lord, and we ask that it would be pleasing in your sight. Receive our worship now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 